Hey kiddo, welcome to the Inspire to Engage podcast, where we talk marketing for small business owners and ways for them to engage more with potential clients. And of course, along the way, we're going to talk some about the juggles and struggles of being an entrepreneur. I'm your host, Rachel Eubanks, and I'm so happy that you're here. In this episode, we talk with my friend, client, a fabulous jewelry designer, Amy Boyle. Her business thrived in 2019, yet her personal life was tough. She's going to get into details about what made it such a difficult year, but she's also going to talk about what were things that she had in place prior to 2019 that allowed her business to thrive, even when her heart and her mind were not focused on Grace Girl Beats, the name of her business. Her husband also gave her wise advice that allowed her to get back into her office and find creativity again. So here is my interview with Amy. Amy, thank you so much for agreeing to be on the podcast. I so appreciate it. And I can't wait for you to share um, some of the wisdom that you have developed and, and lived through over the last couple of years. So without further ado, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners. Tell them the name of your business and how you what you do and how you got to this. Hey, Rachel, thanks so much for having me. Um, on your podcast. So my name is Amy Boyle and uh, my business is Grace Girl Beads. I started making jewelry as a hobby probably 10 or 12 years ago and just it was something that I did just to kind of fill in some time. It was when my kids were young. It was my creative outlet. I come from a creative family. I have my mom is an Avid sewer and um, seamstress, and I have an aunt who quilts and one who does cake decorating and glass blowing, and so uh, it was um, kind of natural for me to have some kind of creative outlet in my family, and it just bloomed from there. Well, that's cool. So, tell everybody how did Grace Girl Beads become? an official business and how you move from being a hobby and just being in a creative family to being a businesswoman. So about nine years ago, my youngest son um, was only about a year old and I was dabbling in jewelry, was recently a stay at home mom and just wanted something to kind of fill some time in. So I took a, um, a necklace to our church, to um, our fall festival for a silent auction item and I walked out the door with nine orders that night and I (laughs) thought to myself um maybe this is something I could make a little money with and it was fall and we were looking towards Christmas and you know having lost my income from um staying home being a stay-at-home mom now I thought well maybe this is a way that I can help kind of supplement pay for my family's Christmas we're not having to put it on a credit card and do that. So uh, that first Christmas was was awesome. I made enough, you know, we paid for our family's Christmas and I just kind of worked it seasonally at that time. Jump ahead to 2013. The summer of 2013, I, I lost my, my Mimi, who was probably my, my biggest cheerleader in life and my best supporter. And um, she and I just had a bond that could not 
be broken. She said that I really came along in a time in her life when she needed me the most. I was her first grandchild. She and I had this bond that just, uh, death was probably the only thing that could break it. And that's Mm -hmm. what did. But so at that summer, we lost her unexpectedly, quite unexpectedly. I spent that entire summer in a, in what now I know is a deep depression at the time. I didn't, of course, Mm -hmm. um, because you don't see things when you're, when you're in them, my kids refer to it as the summer that mom didn't get out of bed. So at the end of that summer, my youngest son, um, my youngest child was going off to kindergarten and I just, my husband looked at me and, and said, you got to do something. So I decided Mm -hmm. to try to make the, um, you know, the jewelry business full time. Uh, I gave it a, a, a good push that fall and picked up my first two stores that fall, had a wonderful quarter four that year decided that that's just really what um what I was meant to do. I think that there were a lot of people put in my path that first year that were meant to be there to lay the stepping stones for me to be able to turn this into a full-time business. I knew that part of your story about your Mimi and it even though I've heard it before, it still gets me every time I hear it and I can't <laughs> help but think I mean, she would be extremely proud of you and to know that you continued and you picked up and that, you know, even her death gave you a reason to go when your husband looked at you and said, what are you going to do? Well, you had something, you had a fallback and it ended up being a true business. And you talked about the fact that you picked up stores and things, and we're going to get to that here Mm -hmm. later on in the podcast, but I want to fast forward. One of the reasons that I had Amy on the podcast, number one, she's a fantastic business lady, fantastic jewelry designer, just a good person all around. But I wanted her to talk about, she had a really tough year last year, personally, in 2019, and yet her business still thrived. And so that's one of the reasons that I wanted her on this podcast. Tell the listeners what happened in 2019 for your for your family. So in, in 2019, we... Started out, you know, I started out the year so gung ho and excited about my business. Last year, um, twenty eighteen was was my best sales year yet, and we've just been growing since I started this business. But twenty eighteen was was a we hit a huge milestone sales wise, and that I never thought we would hit. And I was so excited for twenty nineteen, all ready to go. And we got into twenty nineteen. The first few months were great. You know, we were chugging along. My kids were doing good. I'll give you a little backstory. I have two boys and my oldest son is um, 16 now. My youngest son is 11. The first half of my year was kind of um, taken up by my youngest is involved in theater here locally and he was had a pretty major role in a theater production and so that's what I spent a lot of the first half of 2019. And then we roll on to May and my oldest son who was a runner, had an injury that we couldn't get diagnosed. It, it, um, it was a pretty severe injury, but they, the, it, it, ultrasounds and doctors seemed to be missing it and surgeons, and so they decided to do oratory surgery on him. At what, at, at the day before I was to have a show, one of my biggest two-day shows <laughs> of the year. So in exploratory surgery, it was 
it was ended up being pretty major um, what he had to have done. And so, and so then we had recuperating time for him and I had to kind of step back at that point, you know, I pushed on and and did my show, but then I kind of had to step back and say, okay, well, I, I need to focus on him right now and his recovery. So we got him recovered after a month, month and a half of recovery time for him my youngest son started developing some I guess you would call them episodes where when he would wake up his face would be paralyzed on one side and of course that's a little scary but I I I didn't really think I thought maybe he slept on it on his neck funny or maybe he's just you know I'm really not sure what it was but after several times of that happening one night he was asleep on our sofa and had fallen asleep on our sofa and had what we now know is a partial seizure. And so mm-hmm. after that, we we went to doctors and we had EEGs and the, everything came back normal. And they really weren't sure why he had that seizure. So they scheduled us to see specialists and neurologists. We were scheduled to see a neurologist a month later. and. I, I, of course, thought these people are going to think that there's nothing wrong with this child. He's not had anything else since that one little partial seizure. Um, but God actually says, hold up, wait a minute, you know. <laughs> yeah. We, we've, we, there is something here. And the week before he was scheduled to see the neurologist, he had two um, major seizures. Or he actually had a partial seizure and then what, um, what they would call a grand mal seizure that landed us in the ER that day. And so at that point, he was diagnosed with epilepsy and medicated at the time. We went through MRIs, we went through more EEGs and saw specialists and and was, was finally able to get some kind of reason for what was going on with him or some kind of diagnosis for him. He, at that point, I really had to take a step back it was a, um, that was in August when he was diagnosed. It was a clarifying moment for me because I had been denied for two really large shows that I had applied for in the fall. One of them was a show I had been at for five years in a row, and I was really kind of shocked that I was denied that show. And I, at that point, though, I looked at it and said, there's a reason for all this you know, God's put that wall up there for that particular thing so that you can take care of this reason. Mm -hmm. And so he's actually doing quite well on um, medication. We've only had one seizure since being medicated, but that didn't end our year off right there. Let me tell you, we had more to come. (laughs) We had lots more to come. After my youngest was diagnosed with epilepsy, my husband has decided that he would like to start his own business. So I guess he saw how wonderful it was to be self-employed by me and decided that he wanted to, to take part in that as well. So he he left his firm that he had been with for 10 years and opened his own investment firm here where we live in Huntsville. But that's going wonderfully now. A little scary, but... Um, <laughs> Uh, always scary when you venture out on your own, but everything is, is going wonderfully now. Yay. You know, my, the, my mother's heart just goes out to you knowing what you've been through with your boys. 
we've been friends for a, for a while now. And so I knew what you were going through with, with your oldest at the end of the school year. And then of course, what you went through with your youngest son in the summer. And I know I'm a mom of two boys as well. And so I can imagine just how gut-wrenching that is. And then, like you said, on top of that, we have a huge income and employment change at the end of the year. And so I think that was around October, right? Yes. So your yes. 2019 was insane. And yet, <laughs> the funny thing is, is that your business, it still grew. I know that there are going to be moms listening who and dads who own their own businesses and they can put themselves in your shoes of what it's like to, I mean, our businesses are almost like our babies, but at the same time, if our human babies Mm -hmm. start to struggle physically, mentally, however, Mm -hmm. that is where our hearts go to. And so it's so hard to then focus on this business. And yet your jewelry, Grace Girl Beads, still continue to increase. So Tell us a little bit about the business side of 2019 for you with Grace Girl Beats. Well, so 2019, like I said, started off tremendous. Our our January was up something by like 300% from the last January in 2018. And, and most of y'all know January is a dead month in retail yes. or anything. In of retail, sales. yes. Yeah, the J months are awful. January, June, and July, you can just, there's nothing there. Nobody's (laughs) buying anything. But ours was up. And I think that the strong start that we had for 2019 really helped us finish strong in 2019 also. I had brought on, um, towards the end of 2018, I had brought on several new wholesale accounts that were um, working out wonderfully. They were buying um, every, you know, probably every two months from me, you know, getting large orders every two months. And so they were um, cultivating those relationships with those new, new accounts was, um, was critical to keep 2019 on track when I had to step back a little bit. I really didn't have time to go out and cultivate or make new relationships with people. The good thing was, is I had wonderful retailers in place already that knew uh, what was going on in my life and were understanding about it also. But also, you know, we, we were still providing product to them. I, I have some awesome little helpers around here who, who helped me tremendously. And we were still able to keep those vendors happy while I am still having to step back to focus on my children more. And your 2019 sales, the total was still more than your 2018, even though you, am I correct about that? Yes, you are correct about that. Even though basically your summer months, you Mm -hmm. just could not, it wasn't that you weren't, you weren't making jewelry, but you just could not find that creative side. Yes. Yes. And when when you're a creative, uh, you know, most creative people know this or sometimes run into this problem, but when, when my mind is filled with worry over my children, over my husband, over our, you know, our family as a whole, it created block there. And I would come up to my office in the summertime and just look around and uh, not know what to do. I mm-hmm. told my husband, 
I can't make anything. I can't come up with any ideas. I don't have designs in my head. I'm scared for the first time for my business because I'm scared that I won't get that back. The best advice that he gave me was, you just go up there and make what you know. Make what you know, Mm. make what you know. That's all you got to do. So that's what I did. I came up and I just made what I knew. And I tried um, really just um, immersing myself in this, in the jewelry and trying to come up. And that's how the new ideas started coming. And when they came, it was just like a flood of new ideas coming. <laughs> it was, it's so, it, and it's so weird. And they always come at like midnight, of course, because we're creatives and we live by the moon most of the time. <laughs> and, you know, I always tell people my peak hours are 9 p.m. to midnight. And that's when the, my <laughs> best ideas come. And that's when I do my best work. But I, it, you know, even though I was able to take a good bit of time in the summer to, to focus on my family and to, shuttle children to doctor's appointments. And, you know, a lot of what I didn't say is my, my youngest son's neurologist is two and a half hours away mm-hmm. in the town where we live. There's, there's not one to see children. And so you have to drive two and a half hours away to, yeah. to be able to do that. And so that's an all day or a multi-day process when you have to go to, you know, to appointments like that. And so the good thing was, is I was able by still maintaining all these relationships, I was able to step back, but still make our um, our sales go up. We were up 9% this year, actually. Wow. That, to me, that you know, that's just amazing, Amy, because I, what I, like I said, like the whole conversation is about, is that 2019 as a whole was very tough for you personally, but mm-hmm. business-wise, you were still able to grow. And you keep mentioning these relationships that you cultivated. And I know that there's other, there's going to be other creatives that are listening and that they're looking to a similar business plan as you. And let's stop for just a second and talk about the fact that Amy creates jewelry. It's it's handmade jewelry. And I'll let her feel if I mess it up here in just a second, but it's handmade (laughs) jewelry that she creates. And then she sells wholesale and to retailers have I missed something, Amy? Do you want to clarify a little bit? Yeah, I'll clarify just a little bit for you and throw in some terms, you know, are going to run across. So I started out with um, selling jewelry on a consignment basis through several retailers who would carry it on a consignment basis where I would pick the jewelry, take it in, leave it, and then be paid once it was sold. Uh, in 2015... I believe I dove into the wholesale market and started okay. creating jewelry, creating a wholesale line of jewelry. I have um, the majority of my clients now are, or my retailers now are actually wholesale accounts that buy wholesale from me just to retail it in their stores. That is how I prefer to do it. To me, it's a, just a little bit easier way to, um, to do things, but I also sell um, through my website on a retail basis directly through me. And then I also do several shows throughout the year in the spring and the fall where you can find me (laughs) in a tent somewhere, probably sweating (laughs) to death because typically they are hot, (laughs) but we, we do several shows throughout the year as well. Yeah. So thank you because she does have several streams of income and something she worked really hard on. And we're about to get into that 
on her website and actually moved from Wix to Shopify um, because Shopify was designed to be an e-commerce platform, website platform. And therefore, that, that also gave her a more robust website. I want to talk a little bit about your website change. Mm-hmm. because that was a huge push that you did before your sons got sick and needed you so much. Yes. And then I want you to talk about how did you go about building those relationships with wholesale accounts? Because I know there's going to be people interested and you are so correct about the fact that that was what allowed your business to continue on in the summer when you were not out there seeking other ways to make to make money other accounts so talk for a second about your website first okay so this year I I moved um I did move like Rachel said I did move my website from Wix um the hosting over to Shopify Shopify what it like she said is naturally built for e-commerce and I, I mainly moved it because Shopify typically works better with other platforms such as Facebook Instagram, integrating with um, an email service provider is is a lot easier. I just switched to a new email service provider as well, <laughs> so or new email um, newsletter provider. But Yay. I um, yeah. but I, I I switched in actually to I mean to um, Shopify on top of my eldest son having surgery and being injured when I was at home with him and wasn't making jewelry. I was creating a new website so okay I'm sorry I got that timeline wrong yeah (laughs) no no it's fine I mean it wasn't that I wasn't working because I was working on the website I just wasn't creating jewelry at the time and so I will have to say that probably hands down the best move I made this year is moving to Shopify it is as if I actually exist on the internet now and I I would never want to disparage another um hosting provider but Shopify is just user-friendly, very user-friendly for my clients and my customers and so much easier for me to build out as well. I did it myself. I did mm-hmm. not hire it out. Yep. I went in and I built the entire website myself and I had it done in, I believe, a week, like around a week. It full, wasn't long. Yeah, Full start to finish a week. And so it was hard. And I, and of course I fussed about it at the whole time I was doing it just, but it was probably, like I said, hands down the best move I made this year because it has cultivated more sales in the six months that I've had it than I had in the entire five years with my previous one. And so it, it actually I'll put it a different way. I actually had more sales black Friday weekend Black Friday, Small Business Saturday, and Cyber Monday than I had the entire five years with the previous one. So <laughs> it, I, I, I think that, that moving to Shopify in combination with Facebook ads and Instagram yes. ads to funnel people to it, yes, mm-hmm. to the new website when we did the unveiling of the new one, that helped funnel uh, you know, lots of traffic to it. And I get, I get tons of traffic on it and so many more orders than I did before. <laughs> Well, that's great. And I feel like for you too, you were more confident with, with your website. And so you don't hesitate to put it on Facebook and Instagram and talk about go to my website because you felt like, Hey, when you get there, you can easily see what I make. 
and Amy yes. Bafferty. So, yes, you know, absolutely. I agree with you on that. And the changeover for her was not extremely difficult. But I will say this too. Amy is not scared. This lady no. will get um, a hold of some new technology and just go with it. I love to see her work. Um, she, she's wild. It's awesome. Hey, so talk for a second too, Amy, about relationship with wholesale accounts. I know that there is, there is probably creatives out there that are listening and saying, I want wholesale accounts. How do I go about getting, even getting started? What were some of the first things that you did? Well, Rachel, I have to tell you that my actual first wholesale account landed in my lap and asked me, begged me to do wholesale. <laughs> and I was scared of it at first, <laughs> but mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 she, she kind of pushed me into it. It was um, an, an, a new lady in one of the local communities here opening a boutique. And she said, I really want to carry your jewelry, but I want to do it on a wholesale basis. So I said, okay, we'll, we'll give this a try. So I did, I did as much research as possible to try to one, get my pricing structure in line with what it should be. And that I think is a, a the biggest, the, you need to do mm. the absolute most research on that is getting your pricing structure in line for what you need it to be, to be able to make money off of the wholesale account and for your customer also to be able to make, make some mm-hmm. profit off of, of your jewelry as well. So she kind of landed in my lap. And, and it bloomed from there. A lot of my, a lot of my wholesale accounts actually came from friends who worked at a boutique or worked at a, a gift store or someone knew me and they had a friend who was opening a gift store. My, my hands down, my best performing retailer came out of a contact I met at a church retreat. No lie. Mm-hmm. One of the biggest things that you can do in order to get wholesale accounts is, is what? What do you think? Is talking about your business or what? Yes, you have to talk about your business and network and put yourself out there and pitch yourself. And you have to be willing to take no for an answer, too. Mm. Um, I've had several that I've pitched to that have just said no or it didn't work out or they they wanted to purchase wholesale from me, but then they wanted to take my name off of the jewelry and branded yeah. as their own. And and being a handmade piece of jewelry, I just was not comfortable with that at the time. And so yeah. Instagram has been very integral in picking up some of my latest, um, more recent wholesale accounts and interacting with what you, you know, follow and interact with people and with boutiques and with gift stores that you think your product would be a good fit with. Actually, that's how I've picked up several of them. I picked up one last week and it was only because I commented. She's been following me for a while, but I commented on a story post of hers because she had picked up a line of jewelry that a friend of mine makes. And so, awesome. which is, which is great because she's picked up my friend's jewelry line and now she's going to pick up mine as well. So if you have to, you have to interact with, yes. um, you know, even if you're just interacting with them on Instagram or Facebook, I've picked up two, my retailer, I have a retailer in California that I would have mm-hmm. never in a million years thought I would have ever picked up, but she was friends with a friend on Facebook and saw my jewelry on that friend's page. And so, uh. and so it's just, 
it's really kind of word of mouth and your customers are your biggest asset. If they yes. can talk Preach about it. your jewelry and wear your jewelry with pride, several people have come to me, oh, I saw so-and-so wear your jewelry and I love it. I want one of those. And that's how I pick up retailers and new customers. That's the biggest way, word of mouth. I want to talk really quickly about two points that I feel like you made. Number one, that you, Amy, are social on social platforms. And Mm -hmm. so many times we want to put our stuff out there and Mm -hmm. we just kind of sit back and wait for people to interact with us. And that's not honestly how social media works. We, We have to be willing to be social on social media. And so, like you said, I love what you're talking about that if follow boutiques or follow ideal mm-hmm. customers, places where your products are going to look good at mm-hmm. and follow them and then be genuine in your conversations. Not You're not going to pick up wholesale accounts with everybody that you follow, but you don't know what those relationships and, and being social will lead to eventually. So I love that. Be social on social media. That's a crazy concept. But it, but it does <laughs> Absolutely. Work. And Absolutely. It does work. Yeah, it, it really does. And the other thing that I love what you said, and especially when you're in the creative realm that Amy is, is she has a physical product. And the fact that word of mouth, hands down, is still the very best form of marketing that anybody can have for their business. But your best friend says, I got that here. Then we're so much more likely to buy from that than even from a Facebook ad. I don't care how well it's written. So word of mouth is still hands down the best marketing and getting your products out in as many hands as possible and it being products that they really like. They're mm-hmm. going to tell their friends. And I t- often tell people, and you and I, this, th- the funny thing is, is your business goes back nine years ago, even though it started as a hobby. But it, but this has been a slow burn. Businesses yes. are slow burn. You slowly build up these relationships. And that's really what's allowed Amy as tough as her personal life was in 2019 with having two sick sons and a brand new business of her husband's. That's what allowed her business to continue growing and increasing in revenue was because of the relationships that she's been building since the beginning of Grace Girl Beads. So both great points, Amy, about um, being social on social media and word of mouth marketing always works. Always works. Absolutely. It's <laughs> um, the best. It, it honestly is. So let me ask you, is there anything else before, because I'm definitely going to ask you to tell us in a minute about where they can learn more about you, but is there anything else that you, that came to mind that you want to tell other creatives, maybe they're just starting out or maybe they're like you, they're an established business. Is there anything else that you want to tell them about how to keep that business running, even in the tough times? You know, just the cultivating the relationships and you have to, you and I, when you and I were talking a couple of days ago, you, you said, you know, it's, it's, it's a snowball. That's how you have to think about it. It's kind of Mm -hmm. just like a snowball. You know, when you start, you see that, that cartoon image of the snowball rolling down the hill and just getting larger and larger Mm -hmm. and larger. And you pointed that out to me and I've never really thought Mm -hmm. of it that way, but it's the truth. It really is because. One keeps adding on and adding on and adding on. And the the more people you bring into, I, I call my retailers my family. We're we're friends. We care about each other's mm-hmm. families. And, you know, when my boys were sick and when we were 
in the ER with mine, I had retailers that were texting me, telling Aww. me they were praying for my children and, and that they're mm. praying for my husband's new venture in, in his yeah. business also. And so I consider us to be family, like to add to that family, more and more people to that family. <laughs> the more, I'm one of those, the more the merrier. I've always been a very yep. social person and the more the merrier and just let's just bring them on in. I love it. And that's something else. And I'm sure that you listeners have picked this up, but Amy is a people person. And when she mentioned that one of her revenue streams is vendor shows, she likes to do live shows. She really does shine there. Amy loves to talk. She is the true uh, Southern hospitality uh, on display. And I do agree that she, she just brings you into, into her fold and it's a good place to be because I love being her friend as well. And what a, what a blessing it is. And you're right. It is a snowball effect that the relationships that you build now, it just, then they tell somebody else about you and then that person tells somebody else and it just gets bigger and bigger and bigger. Tell them, Amy, where they can, where they can go buy your jewelry, see your, see your jewelry, learn more about your business. So first off, you can uh, check out our jewelry on our new website that we did this year, redid this year. <laughs> it is www.gracegirlbeads.com. And then you can also find us on Instagram at Shop Grace Girl Huntsville and on Facebook at Grace Girl Beads. We have 11 retailers in three different states, um, mostly all over Alabama and Tennessee, North Alabama and Tennessee. We're about to pick up retailer number 12 in central Alabama, a territory that we have never moved into. And like I said, we do have that one store in California who loves our jewelry and carries it out all the way out um, in uh, close to Sacramento. So that's cool. That's awesome, Amy. So definitely. So guys, once again, her website is Grace, G-R-A-C-E, Girl Beats. And then her Instagram handle is just a little bit different. It's Shop Grace Girl Huntsville, correct? Correct. Yes. Okay. Very good. And your Facebook is Grace Girl Beads. Yes, correct? Facebook is Grace Girl Beads. Cool. Well, Amy, I so appreciate you being with me today and, you know, being somewhat vulnerable and telling us about 2019 personally. But in the end, you were able to impart wisdom about how to keep a business going when personally you just have to check out for just a little bit. So thank you so much. And I look forward to talking soon. OK. Thank you. I'll talk to you soon, Rachel. Thanks for okay. having me. OK, bye. Bye. So a few key takeaways for me from this episode. Number one, use social media how as intended, socially. And of course, as an entrepreneur, we need to use it wisely too. It just makes sense to follow clients, customers, other businesses that we would love to do business with ourselves. And when we see them doing exciting things, things that grab our attention, well, be social, comment on it. Doing that just lays a foundation for who knows where a relationship may go with that person or that business. So use social media how it was intended socially. I love how Amy did that. And I think that was a fantastic piece of advice. Number two, have a website that you're proud of. Now notice that Amy did not spend a lot of money with a developer or designer. 
she switched her website herself. She found a website building platform that made sense for her business better than the one that she had been using. And then she went for it. She then had a website that she felt like was more, it was, it was able to be navigated more easy, more easily. And so she was proud to put that out in front of customers. So having a website that you're proud of, that you feel like customers can get around on, figure out how to purchase from you is key. And it doesn't have to take a lot of money. It will take some time, but it doesn't have to take a lot of money. Now, the third key takeaway for me wasn't exactly about marketing, but it was about business in general. Amy talked about working on her price structure before she agreed to the to her first wholesale account. Now, Amy admitted that her first wholesale account just fell into her lap, and that's one of her favorite streams of revenue as a jewelry designer. But before she agreed on it, she spent a lot of time determining a price where that she could make money and the boutique owner could make money by selling her jewelry. And that's something that most of us business owners, we undercut ourselves there when it comes to price, when it comes to pricing. So I could not help but think about myself here in this situation and so many other of my entrepreneur friends. I had to point that out. Price structure, spend time thinking about that. And honestly, as your business evolves and grows and changes and as it becomes an older business, more established business, that's something that you are going to address every year or every six months. And the fourth takeaway came from her husband, Jamie, when he said, you know, Amy, just get up in your, get up to your office and fall back on what you know. Lean into pieces of jewelry that you have already been designing for years now. And I feel it in my heart of hearts. I've been there before where you struggle as an entrepreneur. You are burnt out probably because you spent hours upon hours on a business and, and has ha, you have had very little sleep or rest and relaxation time. Or like Amy, you're in a very difficult season of life personally. And so that falling back on what you know allows us to bridge that gap between the, 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 the highs. It allows us to get through the lows. So I love that piece of advice and I wanted to definitely put that as a key takeaway for me. I hope you enjoyed this episode and I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope we meet up again in the next episode. Thank you for listening.